Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Joining us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from the Colts defensive backfield, Kenny Moore the second is with us. Hey, Kenny, thank you very much for joining the show. How you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you. I look at you because you are, are one that have been around here for a long time, and I'm just kind of curious because I want to know from the outside looking in, what's the difference between this locker room and you have and Shane Steichen's first year here with maybe some of those differences of locker rooms you've been a part of in the past here? Oh, uh, man, I think, you know, you just said the answer, and that's Coach Shane, uh, the culture in the, the, uh, the locker room that he was able to uh, put together this year. Um, they've done a great job putting guys in there that want to play. They want to go out there and practice. They want to, you know, just having to want to is uh, half the job. And um, the the attack and the aggressiveness that Coach Shane has, we just want to go out and display that. Was that uh, evident from day number one when he got here? And you don't have to give me the, the good and the bad in your opinion here whatsoever, but I'm just kind of curious some things that maybe weren't startling to you, but maybe new to you. Was that evident in day number one when he took that position here? Uh, yes, sir. I think, you know, day one of, you know, me personally having that individual uh, meeting with him in his office, um, it was evident uh, of what type of team that he wanted, what kind of coach he was, and uh, what was the expectation. So um, as a player, you just got to respect it, and you want that every single year. Kenny Moore out of that Colts secondary has a pick this season. Of course, week six has the Colts going down to Jacksonville on Sunday. Kenny's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We'll talk a little bit about that matchup in week number one compared to getting this team again in week number six down in Jacksonville. Some things that you wish you guys as a group had to do over again and things you'll try to rectify going down to Jacksonville coming up this Sunday. Maybe at the top of the list, what do you guys have defensively? Uh, just taking care of our job, uh, not letting anybody run free, um, and obviously just taking care of the opportunities that, that we have to make the turnovers, to make the sacks. You know, we've missed a couple, a couple opportunities um, the first game against them, and, and then in the in the middle too against other teams as well. So you know, just seeing the Houston film whenever they played Houston back in uh, Jacksonville a couple weeks ago. Houston took care of the opportunities, and they were able to go up 17-0 at, I believe, the halftime. So uh, just having that, uh, winning the turnover battle will definitely get you in the best odds to win in the game. Yeah, it was a late-game situation. Obviously, Jacksonville pulled that out in the fourth against you guys in week number one. I know that when you play really any game, but certainly at this level, you have to have um, you have to be very forgetful. You want to go ahead and drop that and move on here, but is that something, considering it's a division rival and you're going into that second encounter coming up on Sunday, is that something that still maybe weighs on you a little bit? Something you're thinking about is motivation, Kenny? Um, I think uh, the good thing about being in a division, you know, playing a division game, you you get a second chance, uh, and obviously you're you're able to clear some mistakes up. You're able to clear some communication up. Uh, week one is always going to be week one. Your performance, you know, you're going to have to clean things up regardless. But um, this is going to be what our sixth game right now. So 
it's been a lot of things that we've been able to clear up um, in the middle here of this uh, of this first half of the season. And so uh, being the second time playing Jacksonville, uh, it's definitely on our mind to clean a lot of things up. And obviously, like I just said, you know, taking care of those opportunities in, in the air. What's um difficult about defending Trevor Lawrence? And I guess add to this, too, because you've already seen him once. Now that he has the, the weapon that is Calvin Ridley and how he performed in week mm-hmm. number one. What, what, what are some of the ways and some of the things that really stick out to you in trying to defend him and that Jacksonville offense, Kenny? Um, I just see a lot of growth in 16. I see a lot of growth in him. Um, his chemistry and the trust that he – has has gotten with uh, Coach Peterson over there. You know, Coach Peterson gives him a lot of uh, confidence and a lot of keys to and access to uh, check the ball, check the check the offense at the line of scrimmage. And you know, whenever he gets set up, he's able to have that trust with his coach to to do what he wants to do. And uh, just over the years, I see a lot of growth in him. Now, Zay Jones was there a year ago. Christian Kirk was, too. And obviously, you saw them build as the season went along offensively. When they added Calvin Ridley, and we've seen this so far, how much more of a dynamic offense has that made them from what you've seen both in person and on film? Yeah, I think over the years, they obviously, they've been able to uh, get a lot of guys down there to change the dynamic of the offense. Um, obviously, having ETN have to be in hurt his first year. Um, they established a running game. He's a, he's a decent back to – to complement their offense, obviously having the receivers that they have. You, you want to think they're more air raid uh, receiving offense, but, you know, having ET in there has been a, a great compliment for them. He's a he's a very good back to, uh, you know, stretch the field. And so uh, just o- over the years, the players that they've been able to um, get over there uh, in Jacksonville, I think they're doing a good job. So, Kenny Moore the second from the Colts on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You are the veteran presence, certainly in that secondary. When you look at those around you, especially those, you know, for example, like, like Juju in, in year number one or those that haven't been around as long as you have, what do you see in the growth in that secondary to this point, Kenny? Um, I think it's going to be week to week. You know, it's something that you really just can't force. Uh, however, you do want, you know, the younger guys to grow up as fast as possible. Um, I can just, you know, relate to that my rookie year, you know, being able to be in there the first couple games of the season and then not really seeing the, the defensive side of the field till late in the season uh, with injuries in the, in, in the back end. So, um as a as a young player, you just want to learn as fast as possible. You want to earn the the trust of your teammates and your coaches to be able to go out there and be consistent and be competitive, and be confident uh, to be able to, you know, just do your job. And so, I think you just you you just can't uh, put too much pressure on yourself. You can't be too overwhelmed with everything that's at stake. Um, you just got to go out there and be confident in yourself to uh, correlate the practice. Uh, and, and the film and uh, everything that we learn in the classroom and the office to go out there and play on game day. And uh, you just got to be out there and, and try to get 1% better each day. He has Kenny Moore with us. I'm curious about this because you mentioned communication a little bit earlier. Is that the toughest thing, playing your position and those, you know, in and around you in that secondary? Is it, you know, one thing is just to be incredibly athletic. I mean, I, you're athletic as hell. They're athletic as hell. But is the toughest thing to really get on the same page with and grow from, is that communication? Yeah, but I think that's important, uh, even time to practice. Um you know, every game plan changes from, you know, week to week pretty much. And um, like you said, having younger guys with you, the chemistry is going to change. Like some guys are more aggressive some, than the others. They want to float back a little bit. But it's just, it's just 
tying everything in all together and uh, everybody being on one accord. And, yeah, um, I will say communication will probably be the, the biggest aspect of having everybody clued into to what's going on during the game. How difficult is it for a, a younger group? And then how has it come along with the group that you're a part of right now? Um, well, there's a lot of unscouted and there's a lot of uh, things that they just haven't seen before. Sure. And honestly, um, the way that I was able to learn, you just got to, you know, you, you mess up a couple of things and walk through. You mess up a couple of things in practice. You have a lot of communication with the coaches. You got to do, um, you know, extra stuff. You know, as a young guy, you're just trying to get caught up as fast as possible to a guy that's been in the league for a while. So and then obviously, you know, the offense know that everyone knows that. So you just got to be able to hold your own at some point. But um, and then again, you just have to work together as fast as possible, as good as possible to survive the down or, or be able to uh, take the ball out of the air. Um, it's, it's a fine line between all of it. Do you still learn every day? Are there things for you to learn every every single day? Uh, yes, sir. Um, there, there was a run game that we were trying to um, we were trying to stop versus the Rams. It was some things that they usually run on the weak side of the defense, and I just didn't have to know it. Uh, and then it, <laughs> year seven uh, versus the Rams, I, I was like, oh, shoot, I, I've never been in this position before. And, you know, it was just props to the coaching staff over there. They're able to um, key certain things to make sure you have uh, unscouted looks. And then, you know, Tennessee ran it uh, the week after and then we, we stopped it, and so they didn't run it after that. So it's just stuff like that that you just have to keep evolving, keep learning, keep growing, and then, you know, not keep it in a secret from your other teammates. You say, like, oh, okay, I messed up with this. This is how you play this. And, you know, even though he hasn't seen it before, you already told him, so maybe he'll he'll stop it when it's his turn. It's curious you mentioned that Kenny Moore II joins us. If, if there is a successful play run against you guys mm-hmm. maybe a week or two prior, how often – do you see that further down the road in the season again run at you from a different team? Man, it's, I mean, you can't even say. Uh, you just got to – you want to clear it up when you get back to the drawing board. Yeah. And then you you kind of like have it in your mind like, okay, this is a copycat league. It might show up this week. It might show up three weeks from now. It might show up the last game of the season. It might show up, show up in the playoffs. So, um, honestly, you just got to be able to, to, to learn – learn from it really fast and uh, when it presents itself again in the game you just can't make the same mistake um, and then a lot of a lot of teams are really good from doing it from a stagnant position or motion into it or jetting to it um, it, you just got to be able to process it really fast. He is Kenny Moore the second, kind enough to join us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Uh, overall, team defensively speaking, where where do you see you guys as a group right now, all encompassing compared to where you expected to be, thought you were going to be, and I guess even further down the road, Kenny, where you guys believe you can be as the the games obviously the season gets longer here. Well, I think we all look at the big picture differently. Um, You have people who look at the bigger picture to motivate themselves to keep going. They look at the stacks. They look at the rankings. They look at, you know, where we want to be down in the road. Okay, where we at in week six? Okay, okay, now I can get back to work. Um, I'm more so, um, okay, that's how the game went. Okay, let's get back to work. Okay, we won. We lost. Okay, let's get back to work. Like, it's, it's more so... Day to day in my head, it's more so week to week in my head. So, um, honestly, 
um, looking at the bigger picture, I don't really look at that until after this season um, is, is over with. Okay, how good were we? Or um, how good at taking a bit, taking, taking the ball away were we? Um, and, and that's really how I go about. Do you um? How much of the? I mean, obviously, your team um, in your coaching staff they give you numbers. How, how deeply do you go in into your data and your numbers? Just out of curiosity. Um, numbers as far as what? I don't know. Just in you know, team wise, individually speaking, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Maybe I, you should tell me what numbers you look at. I guess is what I should ask. Like, like I'm saying, like yeah, like um, you know, matchups against uh, the past, matchups against somebody you've seen before. You know the outcome of the game. How do you, how do you gauge yourself beyond just the win or the loss? I guess numbers wise, after a game, how well you played. Um, well, I think that would just pretend, uh, that would just pertain to like you as an individual. Um, so I mean, we get grades every Sunday, or well, you know, every Monday after the game, and so. You look at, you know, okay, was I running to the ball? Okay, how many tackles was it? Okay, um, PBUs, like, okay, did I miss a tackle? Um, was I loafing on the play? Um, it's just stuff like that that you try to go back and see um, if if that answers your question. Yeah, um, I, I, would, I could have phrased it a hell of a lot better than I did, honestly. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't phrase that very well. I just, what, what do you look at? Beyond the film, I guess, what numbers you look at after the game uh, as far as wins or losses? What, what are the Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a better one. Yeah, I, um, I, sucked. Honestly, I sucked the first time around there. <laughs> no, you're good. Okay. I th- honestly, I don't really look at the numbers. Uh, usually guys, they'll probably have like a packet of stats and stuff like that, you know, waiting at their locker after the game. I more so just look at the film immediately after, like it's, if it's a weight game. We look at the film on a plane right back, you know, as we play music and stuff. Um, home games, I just enjoy the moment with my family because, you know, they'll be leaving the next day. So I, tr- I, I, I just debrief uh, personally ah. and, uh, you know, get something to eat, hang out. Uh, I'll do some recovery at, at home. And then once everybody is probably going to sleep, I'll, okay, let me turn the game on to see uh, how we all performed. And then I'll reset from there. And mentally I'm moving on to the next game. Uh, but we, we have to come in to work on Mondays to go back over the game, go back over everything that we hit our goals for the game. And then then we re- reset as a team uh, Monday. You are not a locker room after the game stat sheet grabber, is what you're telling me here. Oh, never, never. <laughs> like if you told me, oh, okay, yeah, you had, you know, so and so tackles, um, I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> do, do you know who these stat sheet grabbers are? In your uh, locker room. Uh, I, I I don't know if I can really say that. You, if you don't feel comfortable, don't, man. But yeah, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. Just, I'm just, but. but you know who they are, is what you're saying. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> Kenny Moore is on the Eddie Moore Automotive Group hotline <laughs> before I let you go. Um, we know that Anthony Richards is going to be out for a while here. That's uh, on the other side of the football, though. But I'm just kind of curious. You talked about the leadership of Shane Steichen coming in in your number one. Um, how is Gardner Minshew? Is, is he a leader to where that reverberates beyond the offense to the entire team? How much of a leader do you see him with the offensive side of the football directing things as the quarterback in for Anthony Richardson? Uh, he's a leader for sure. Um, and honestly, he doesn't really talk that much. He's a lead by example, but whenever he hits the field, whenever he 
uh, warms up whenever he's in the training room. Like he, you can you can feel his energy, you can feel his presence. Um, even if even if he did say, he didn't say anything. Um, I've had some matchups against Garner Minshew, and he's he's a hell of a competitor. And obviously, seeing him in practice and everything, getting us ready for a game, he's. He's ready. I mean, he he's not here for for no reason. Um, you know, it's 100% at risk sport. Uh, what we do every day. So, you know, something is bound to happen to any one of us, and it's it's fun watching a rich play. And uh, I know no one is going to take a step back whenever Tim goes in the game. Um, obviously, we've already seen him in the game this year. So, um, I think we're all pumped, just like we would have been if five was in the game. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Ronnie Bass going in and, and remember the Titans right there. Hey, <laughs> I've, I've got this. He's like like Ronnie Bass a little yeah, bit no, right there. Yeah, no step, no step short. <laughs> no step short. <laughs> That's great. Kenny Moore's with us. All right, man, I'm going to let you bail. I appreciate your time today, uh, as usual. Get a little revenge coming up in Jacksonville, coming up on Sunday, and we'll talk with you again soon, Kenny. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Much love. Take uh, care. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Time on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. He is the host of The Insiders. It airs Monday through Friday at noon Eastern time, NFL Plus, and 1 o'clock on the NFL Network. He is one of the great insiders, informationally speaking, of our era. And uh, Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline with a lot of news to spread, certainly. Ian, thank you for the time. How you doing? What's going on? How you doing, man? Well, we're living the life here with a rookie quarterback, 21 years of age, that has a sprained AC joint and trying to figure out, directionally speaking, where this might go. Now, bear with me. I have guessed. And, okay. you know, I was watching the game from the press box on Sunday, and I thought, man, this looks like a situation where he may be done for the year. I'm not thinking that right now, but certainly, at best, I'm thinking about the week after they return from Germany with that matchup with New England. There's a bye week, and maybe, I think that's the Cincinnati game after. Afterwards, is that maybe a thought that you have about where the uh, rookie will reemerge on a cold schedule this season? Well, you know, I, I think first of all, everyone had the same thought. When you see him go down, you see him grab a shoulder, you wonder how stable it is. And, you know, walking off the field, they're, they're making sure it doesn't move. That's, you know, an indication of a pretty serious injury. Um, but, you know, it ends up being a grade three sprain, no fracture, which is good news. But it is a pretty serious injury, and, and I think one of the hardest things is, and, you know, you heard Shane Steichen and I know some of the words out of Indy today were kind of all over the place. Like, I don't think it'll be four weeks. I guess anything's possible, but I don't think it'll be four weeks. But I don't know that it'll be ten weeks either, right? So it really depends on how rehab goes, how strong it can get, how much damage there was to it. It's a throwing shoulder. Um, he is a rookie quarterback. I would expect extreme caution so my guess is on the later side um but you know really only thing that matters is can you put him out there with a hundred percent certainty that he's you know not going to be any more at risk Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network is with us. How much do you you wonder, and it's okay to wonder to yourself because I am as well, where they may draw the conclusion, Ian, that surgery on this is necessary. Is that playing a role in your mind at all with this? Um, You know, I I think if there was going to be surgery, you'd probably have it already. 
you know, would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Because if there's going to be surgery, you'd want it as soon as possible. On the other hand, you know, it might be a situation where you see how well it can heal with rehab, and if it doesn't, then surgery, which would probably end the season. I think that's, you know, that's probably where it would be. So if there's surgery, it's probably bad news. Um, but, you know, again, I think the hope is just rehab and, and then he's okay. Um, but, you know, these are, again, these are pretty serious injuries. And when you, you know, say a grade three sprain, that includes some tearing. And that's just kind of the way the injury is, unfortunately. So um, how quickly can he rehab? I think that all depends on, you know, what happens the next couple of weeks. Ian, you've been breaking NFL news for a long time now. So you obviously went through, like we did, the luck era here. And, and I have a lot of fans that are listening right now that have gone through that and are cautiously optimistic that you don't have a product in a 21-year-old rookie where you red flag it that injuries could be a major concern moving forward considering you know why they drafted him and how they expect him to be a significant part of this offense moving forward especially with his legs is there a red flag with that of worry at all moving forward with this injury and other reasons why he sat out these games so far yeah, I mean, I think the red flag would be if this continues, right? Because, you know, a young quarterback protecting itself, I mean, that's a, that's a hard thing and that's a serious thing, right? But it's also not something that's instantaneous. You know, I would liken it to Josh Allen in Buffalo. Early Josh Allen put himself at harm's way and, you know, it was, it was kind of an issue. He worked hard at it. The team worked hard at it. He learned to still be that running threat, but also protect himself. And, like, there are ways to do it. You know, there are, like, if you ever, I mean, this is not exactly what we're talking about. If you ever watch Tom Brady, he almost always lands on his left shoulder. Just taught himself to land on his left shoulder. There are ways to improve. There are ways to work on it. There are ways to, you know, make sure that you're injured as little as possible. Um and I would say if it doesn't improve, that would be a concern. But right now, I would not be concerned. Uh, Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So from what you've gathered so far, the combination when he's been healthy and out there playing, that of Anthony Richardson and Shane Steichen, what's been your thoughts? Again, an early small sample size, but your thoughts on what you've seen to this point? Uh, that I'd be pretty excited if I was a Colts fan. You know, I mean, I think with Shane Steichen, you never know quite what you're going to get with a head coach, right? Like, you watch them as coordinators, but, like, that's not an exact science because you're trying to figure out, like, who's the play caller, who's running the offense. If it's an offensive head coach, how, you know, how involved is a coordinator? And then it's like, can you get up in a room and lead? I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. But what you hoped is that you had a really good athletic mobile quarterback and a coach that's perfect for him. And, like, that is kind of, to me, what it looks like. Now, you know, if Anthony Richardson could stay healthy, obviously that would be better. But, you know, he – I would say this. Like, Shane Steichen looks like some, someone who – like, he looks like what the Colts thought they were hiring. And then Richardson, I think, probably has come along a little quicker than maybe anyone anticipated. You know, I don't think there were a lot of people that thought he'd be able to hit the ground running like he did. Um, now again, you got to stay healthy, but like early returns are pretty promising. Ian, what what's been your thoughts on on the three major 
rookie quarterbacks, you know, that of Bryce Young in Carolina, C.J. Stroud in Houston, and Anthony Richardson here in that top four last spring on what each has shown so far. Is it kind of what you expected, or are you surprised, maybe disappointed in some other aspects here? Uh, I wouldn't say it was what I was expected. I was expecting, I would say, um, you know, Anthony Richardson, um, you know, probably was a little quicker than uh, I anticipated. Hold on one sec. 20 minutes. Sorry, I'm watching my son. Oh, that's baseball. okay. I love. How's he doing, uh, by the way? Are we doing well? He's, he's ripping the ball, so it's good. Um, <laughs> sorry, he, when he says one second, I'm like, hold on, guys, but we can't hold on. It's radio. No, that's anyway, okay. That's all right. Um, not good. Um, the rookie quarterback. So I, I don't think it was what I expected at all. I think Richardson looked better earlier than I anticipated. Like, I remember being at camp watching him and I was like and it was the day where Jonathan Taylor requested a trade and I reported it while standing on the field. Um and I thought Richard might you know, besides the Taylor thing coming out of there, I was like, wow, Richardson looks really good. So he's looked better than I thought he would quicker. Bryce Young, it's taken a little longer. Um and I think he'll be okay. But like they're you know, they're having to go back and simplify things is interesting because that's kinda not what I expected it would be at this point because it was so much made of his ability to process. I think that was interesting. Uh, and then Stroud looks better than I thought also. I mean, I, I, you know, Ohio State quarterbacks historically have not thrived in the NFL, and he looks like absolutely the real deal. It's uh, Ian Rappaport right there, the NFL Network insider. A couple more questions, and, and then I'll, I'll let you go as well. You mentioned Jonathan Taylor, and of course you were a part of all this when it seriously went down, mm-hmm. you know, back during Colts camp here. Yep. Were, were you were you surprised by the timing of that extension, which the news broke with you on Saturday? And I'll go back to this. When when Jim Irsay got on, on local TV during that Bears preseason game – in the third quarter and talked about, you know, Chris Ballard calming the waters. Was that what we kind of witnessed here? And I know it seems like that they met in the middle, but there were portions of this entire soap opera where we didn't think that was going to happen. How did all this go down timing-wise as an end result this past Saturday? Um, Okay, so I would say when it became clear, when the season started, and the Packers went away as a trade partner. Because once the season started, the Packers were done. They're like, all right, we're interested. We like them. They offered two mid-round picks. But when the season started, they were done. Miami never made a firm offer. And while I think they were – not I think. I know they were interested. You know, at some point, if you don't make an offer, it's like, all right, well, like, that's not really that much of an option either. And then you see the running backs now, and you kind of figure out why. So if, if there's no real trade partner, he's going to be healthy at four weeks. The team is maybe a little bit better than you thought, maybe, right? And then, like, they could use a really awesome running back, too. Then at some point, it's not just how the waters can come. It's like this actually might be the best option for all parties. And so you had different groups. You had, you know, Chris Ballard, who sort of had conversations with Jim Ursay and I think got to a point where Ursay was comfortable paying a player, any player, after what was a rough season last year. Um you had Shane Steichen, um, who was never involved in the business side, but did a fantastic job of just maintaining a good relationship with Jonathan Taylor. Like, that is sort of the undiscussed, under-discussed part of this thing, is like, Taylor had to want to be part of the team. And I think Shane Steichen did a great job in making sure that he felt like that. Um, 
And then there was Taylor and his agent being reasonable, but also knowing that it was in the best interest of everyone if he got the deal he wanted. And, you know, I probably knew 10 or 14 days ago that this deal was potentially going to happen. Um I think they did a really good job getting it done after all this. Yeah, no doubt about that. Ian Rappaport with us. Before I let you go, I want you to get back to your son's baseball game. But I'm curious your thoughts. We've seen, I mean, we've seen positives with Gardner Minshew, you know, taking over in game, starting that game in Baltimore, getting that win in overtime. Is this combined with? the schedule, the division as well. Are these winnable circumstances, do you think, with Gardner Minshew as a starter in the foreseeable future here? Yeah. I mean, this is why you sign a guy. This is why you pay for a backup. Um, and, you know, I think Gardner Minshew probably came here thinking he had a chance to start early. You know, after you see Anthony Richardson at camp, you know you probably don't. Um, but, you know, I would say he's pretty good. The team is pretty good, and you got a chance. I would say you got a chance, definitely. All right, I heard somebody just get a nice hit there with that aluminum bat. That was a good sound. Yeah, that was not my son. He's up next, but they just made an out. <laughs> you want to stay here and do a little play-by? We can do a little play-by-play if you want to right here. Uh, no, <laughs> okay, right. I understand. Uh, Ian Rappaport, NFL Network Insider. Again, the host of the Insiders airs Monday through Friday at noon Eastern time on NFL Plus. One o'clock Eastern time on the NFL Network. I hope that was a good hit right there. That sounded good. No? <laughs> the guy got out, so it's okay. Okay, I got you. Hey, I appreciate you joining us. We'll do it again over the course of the season. We'll see you at Lucas Oil Stadium maybe sometime, too. All right, sounds good. Thanks, guys. It's uh, Ian Rappaport right there, the NFL Network, during his son's baseball game. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, friend of the show from CBS, who I believe has the Seahawks and the Bengals coming up this weekend, and uh, the voice of the Final Four, the TNT NBA voice as well, Ian Eagle joins us. Hello, Ian. How you doing? Hey, what's up, John? Will you be calling Ian Ian later, or you're just going to keep it? I worked. Clear? I worked on that all night. <laughs> you could have called me Ian Eagle. That would have been another option. I thought about that. You're not the first person that had brought that up, so I was in the mirror. Ian, 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 all night long. Uh, you're like all of my substitute teachers from growing up. Did anybody ever get it right immediately, initially? Yeah, I had a a guy that I picked up food from Saturday when I was on the road in Pittsburgh and got my name right when I showed up. He's like, I am? I go, yep. He's like, here you go. Yeah, so. growing up in the 80s, too, like, um, not so much the long eye with I am, but Ian was like a hip and popular name back in the 80s, if you remember. Yeah. So. Yeah, so the, the story is pretty basic. My father's mother's name was Ida. They wanted to name me after her. She had passed away before my birth. And there were limited options. What are you going with at that point? You're going with Ivan. It's pretty archaic. You're going with Ira. Uh, it looks like my future is that of an accountant. <laughs> or you're basically creating a name, Ian. So this, I was never Ian. It's not like I, I came out of the womb and then two years in, they're like, you know what? Let's go with Ian instead of Ian. 
they they went with it right out of the gate, and that's where we're at. Would um, would Ira Eagle had a different career path, in your opinion, undoubtedly? I think so. I believe uh, he would be doing some something completely different, maybe not even in this country. He might have moved away. I always think of the name Ira from when Harry met Sally. <laughs> great. Yeah, great that was uh, that was Billy Crystal's ex-wife's boyfriend, or then next ex-new yes. husband was Ira. So. And Meg Ryan is yeah. in a new rom-com with David Duchovny. I just saw the promo 15 <laughs> minutes ago. So here we go, here John. We go. We're <laughs> back. Connecting, connecting the dots on that. Hey, before we get into the NFL and the Colts, did you get the Larceny Bourbon? I did. I did. Unfortunately, I got it after the date in which I stopped drinking for okay. NFL NBA season. But it's now in my house. It looks beautiful. I think it's going to be fantastic. And now we're going to have to have a tasting of some sort on yes. June 5th when I pick up the other part of my life, which is uh, enjoying a cocktail on a nightly basis. Well, is there a chance, and I'll ask you this, because this would be an incredible, I think, set of circumstances. If the, the Colts were able to get into a position where you end up here in a meaningful type of game, Maybe on a Friday, because you're already in town on Thursday. Maybe on a Friday. I don't know how far in advance you know your schedule. But I do these live shows, especially near and around downtown. You could come down and we could we could have a small sample of it without breaking any Iron Eagle rules. Yeah, the only issue, JMV, would be my NBA schedule, my Thursday night yes. NFL schedule. And whatever else is going on in my life. But, hey, if Indy wins games, Who knows? that could absolutely happen. I might end up there before we see the end of the season. I hope so. Yeah. I hope the Colts can, can maintain. It's been a fun story in the early going. Obviously, the Richardson injury is a crusher because, A, it stunts the growth, and it limits the reps, and it changes your whole plan. Gardner Minshew can win games. I've seen him go out and win games in this league there's no doubt about it but the goal this year was to see anthony richardson develop and gain experience and unfortunately if you're not on the field there's only so much you can get for mental reps yeah and that is the bummer of it all and i've also said you know while you're here kind of what the hell might as well and here's what i mean by that is is you've got a schedule with i believe you can just by eyeballing this in the future I mean, is a schedule in which you can compete and win some of these games. You're in a division, clearly, in which you can win some games. So, And Gardner Minshew is a guy where I don't think you want, you want the learning and the understanding, the evolution of your 21-year-old quarterback that you're going to firmly miss moving forward right here. But in terms of winability still, you don't lose anything with this team with Gardner Minshew under center. No, and interesting. I had Carolina-Seattle a few weeks ago, and if you remember, that was the game Bryce Young couldn't play. Andy Dalton stepped in, and they kept it competitive in a very difficult environment. That was as loud a venue as I've been at in quite some time. Those fans were completely engaged and into it. And in a way, I think Carolina was better equipped with Andy Dalton in that situation than they would have been with Bryce Young. Now, uh, you could say, hey, it's important. You got to get that experience. You got to be in that moment. You got to feel it. So you can now draw back on that the next time that you face it. And I get all that. But if we're just looking at short term versus long term, short term, 
Indianapolis might actually compete in some of these games at a different level than they would have if Richardson was making some rookie mistakes. Now, there's the dynamic part of what Richardson does. He might put you in a position to win a few games that you didn't have a right to win because he just goes out and makes something happen. And the thing with with Gardner Minshew, who has been more than a credible quarterback, the aspect, as I've seen it, is if you have enough time to prepare for him, it's different than a guy just coming off the bench in the middle of a game because the starter went down. Uh, defensive coordinators are going to load up against Gardner Minshew. They're going to watch tape. They're going to be prepared. And that's a little different than when you're coming in that reserve role and, and you surprise some people in a way. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. Ian Eagle of CBS joins us. You get the Bengals and the Seahawks coming up this weekend. But some Colts conversation right now. You're absolutely right. It's just kind of weird because he's been in so much so far. You, you do get to be able to form uh, an educated opinion on with this group and this team and how he works. And there certainly is a more catchable ball. The timing seems to be there a little bit more mm-hmm. now on the the downside of it you're going to have to chew up and throw away a lot of the playbook because the rpos and the running outside of the pocket stuff is just not going to happen so there's some give and take but the 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 take in what you get here is not a bad take considering how this team has played so far yeah it's interesting when you build a roster when you have such a unique talent at that position you have to make a decision. Are you trying to find a poor man's version of that guy, or do you just go with the more traditional QB that can come in, run an offense, handle things, have enough command to get guys going and, and take control in the huddle? And I think Indianapolis opted for the latter, that, hey, we want to get someone that's had experience that can handle this. If something goes haywire, if there is an injury, uh, we're we're going to be able to devise something for him. But you nailed it. Everything they've been working on in training camp, not, not everything. I don't want to say that. That's That's probably too strong. But a lot of what they've been working on is not going to apply now because you just have a different type of profile at that QB position. It's a common issue in the NFL. And, you know, when you have a Lamar Jackson, when you have someone that's really special in what they do and specialized in what they do, it's hard to mimic it. It's hard to to create another option for yourself at that spot. So I get it. I understand why Indianapolis is in this position. And I think they're confident that they can win games with Gardner Minshew. They're just going to have to do it a different way. Ian Eagle of CBS is with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Now, we've had this discussion, and a lot of it is because most of us, uh, certainly Colts fans, have lived through – injury questions surrounding the quarterback and having sure. uh, a, a less than overwhelming outcome with it. If you were you know, just observing this, would the injuries that we have seen so far and now this more significant shoulder situation, is that a red flag for Anthony Richardson in the future from your standpoint? Or is he 21 and will get used to it and be able to acclimate further down the road? What would be your thought? Yeah, I, I would go more with the second part. Uh, I'm not ready to, to make that broad statement that that you started with because that, that's drawing a lot of conclusions. He's young, he's developing, he's figuring it out. You know, I think any rookie in the NFL at first is just trying to survive in many ways, find a routine, figure out what works for them. And then on the field, 
it's a whole new ball game. You know, we talk to rookies all the time, and obviously the first thing they talk about is the speed and the physicality of the game. But I think it's, it's beyond that. It's now your job, and mistakes are compounded, and mistakes cost the team. And that's all a whole new ball game. In college, these guys were so gifted, they could make up for a mistake. They could just go back and, and bounce back in a way that, that could lead the team to victory. And that's not the case in the NFL. So I think he's still trying to figure it out. I'm not going to make uh, an across-the-board generalization on, on the future of Anthony Richardson from a physical standpoint. But I get it. I understand what you're saying in regards to Andrew Luck, but that has nothing to do with this. And Peyton Manning, which has nothing to do with this, the hope is Anthony Richardson is his own guy and that he also is smart enough and savvy enough to figure out what he needs to do to be available because that is the key in the NFL. Look at the teams that consistently win Kansas city. As an example, Mahomes just doesn't miss games. Uh, He is banged up. And anyone that watched the Netflix series quarterback, which I thought was terrific. uh, You just see he's a gamer. He's going to figure it out. He's going to find a way. And uh, he has absolutely lived up to that by being available and winning consistently. I have one guy you can look at that was at the top of this draft as well with Houston is C.J. Stroud. And C.J. Stroud has has really performed. And I know a lot of people out there, I kind of took I and my advice, my cue from that semifinal against Georgia. I thought if you could dissect that Georgia defense, even though it wasn't as good as it had been the year prior, but do that yeah. to that Georgia defense, I felt pretty good, even though that's a small sample size of what you can do at the next level. And even with a, a lack of a really strong group around him, maybe a couple of playmakers, but that's about it, he's performed really well out of the gate for the Texans. He really has, and look, the the tape doesn't lie. You watch the tape, he looks the part, he acts the part, there are leadership qualities, watch his press conferences. We tend to overreact in pro sports in general, but certainly in the NFL, week to week. And to now brush off or dismiss Bryce Young this early in his career is not fair, and uh, it happens all the time, but it isn't fair. With that said, there is no uh, dismissing what C.J. Stroud has done. Uh, It's real deal stuff. Uh, He is uh, exciting, and he's under control. It it just doesn't seem too big for him. Everything just seems to work in the flow of how he's doing his job, and that's not the case normally with rookie QBs. Uh, He just has been incredibly impressive. And how they come to these decisions, this is an exhausting process. They go and look under every nook and cranny to try to figure out who's the right fit. Carolina obviously traded up with Chicago to make this happen with Bryce Young. So they certainly saw something in their interviews and their workouts in the tape. But, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to imagine that, uh, this is a fluke for C.J. Stroud. Uh, this this looks like the real deal. Uh, it's Ian Eagle of CBS with us. I mentioned you have the Bengals and the Seahawks coming up yeah. this weekend. I, I fully expect the Bengals, you know, provided the health just gets better and better with that calf of, of Joe Burrow to find themselves at the end of the season, the top, the AFC North. It's been a tough road so far. Are you expecting them to climb out of that hole as well within that division? 
I am. I'd say the the one caveat is a couple of things are missing from the previous iteration of the Cincinnati Bengals that had success. The tight end position that had always been something that Joe Burrow could lean on, whether it was C.J. Yazama uh, prior. Uh, that was a couple of years ago. I think this team is going to have to find something from that spot eventually. It was a non-factor last week. Jamar Chase did everything, and he's an all-world performer. Uh, he's just been waiting for the opportunity, and he got it. And then, look, are they capable of, of finding a little something on third down in the running back spot? Yes, but it just hasn't been there as of yet. Uh, they had Samaje P. Ryan previously, and I'm not sure he got the amount of credit that he probably deserved for the role that he had. They're using Travion Williams now, who's a veteran, but it's just not been the same production. And just getting healthy. Uh, Joe Burrow looked like himself last week. I did week one, Cincinnati at Cleveland. That was not no. Joe Burrow. I think he gutted through it. He wanted to be there for his team. He just signed the richest contract in NFL history. There was a sense of pride, but it wasn't the same guy. He couldn't push off and throw. There, there was bad weather, which didn't help matters, but there were four or five throws in week one where you thought, man, is this? Is this Joe Burrow or not? Uh, if you didn't know, if you were just dropped on this planet and knew nothing about background, performance, uh, previous resume, you'd say, no, that that's not the guy. So last week he looked like the guy, and that's a really good sign. And apparently this week practice, he's feeling better than ever. And to me, that's the best storyline and narrative for Cincinnati, getting that guy healthy and comfortable and they'll be okay. They're they're going to be in the mix throughout the year, but they seem to dig themselves this hole now the last couple of years, and you fight through it, and you get to the postseason, which they did last year, came within an eyelash of going back to the Super Bowl. Uh, it's those little plays that cost you home field, that affect playoff seating, and it just makes your road all the more difficult. And I think Cincinnati is in that stage of development that they should be – Locked in on, hey, we got to have to get the one seed, the two seed, not, yep. hey, we're just hoping to get into the tournament. So, Ian Eagle of CBS got Cincinnati and Seattle coming up this weekend. The NBA is just about set to get out of the way. Obviously, your calls on TNT. I'd said this about the Pacers. Um, I know not a lot has been said, but two years ago, they won 25. Last year, yep. 35. My expectation, I think, seems reasonable. Others say that I'm kind of overblowing it a little bit. I expect them to get 45, which means a 10-game improvement, which is hard to do in, in the NBA from season to season what's your expectation of what the Pacers do this year I think yeah they're flying under the radar a little bit on a national level I'm not sure they're getting enough credit for the improvement from two years ago to last year Halliburton has the respect of his peers uh, there's definitely been a jump in his persona within the NBA I like some of the moves that they made during the offseason you know, I'm a Bruce Brown guy going back to his Nets days the right the winner he just, he just gets it. He knows how to play. He knows how to fit in. He's a Swiss Army knife. Uh, Indy obviously paid him handsomely because they wanted that mentality and they wanted that uh, kind of production. And I think Denver's going to miss him. They'll, they'll be fine. Don't get me wrong. Uh, maybe they saw it as a luxury or they just couldn't compete with the numbers. And I'm sure he wanted to stay there because of the success they had as a group. But you can't turn down 
the Benjamins, and he got a lot of them. So I thought that was a really good move. It feels like they're a motivated team. And then on the coaching front, you know, in this league, coaching matters a lot in the NBA. And if you get someone that knows what they're doing, has shown it everywhere they've been, like Rick Carlisle has, you have to believe in the history there. And I believe in Rick Carlisle as an individual and uh, as someone that knows what to do. So with all of that said, maybe 45 would be a bit inflated. Yeah. I definitely think in that 42, 43 range. And now you're talking about somewhere in the six, seven, eight, nine range of the Eastern conference. And in the NBA now, you got to be in it to win it. And it's already been proven that you can be a play in team and you could go all the way to the finals, which is what happened with the Miami heat. I did that play in game, Miami, Atlanta, and Atlanta won the game. Trey Young got it done. Miami then was forced to to win to just get in as the eight seed, and they did. And if you would have said to me on that day, well, the Heat, they're going to go to the finals and they're going to go on this incredible run, I would have said no shot, none. That's where we are in the NBA. You, you just got to get in, and once you get in, you can get on a roll. The players are so talented Uh, I don't believe it's like it used to be anymore. In fact, uh, John, look at the last five champions in the NBA. Five different teams. That shows you that we are in a new place in the NBA. There is legitimate parity for the first time in a long time. What what do you think about the changing of the landscape with Damian Lillard going to Milwaukee, then you see Holiday, which may end up being even larger considering his impact he could have with that Celtics team. What do you think about that change of landscape we've seen within the past couple of weeks in the NBA? Yeah, I think it means a lot for Boston because it gets a guy in there that's been there, that's done that, that understands what it takes Whatever it's been for Boston, something has been missing to get over the top to win the championship. And if that, he, if that ends up being the missing piece, then we're going to look back on, on that deal uh, as the one that, that changed the fortunes of this franchise. The Lillard-Adetokounmpo pairing has a chance to be lethal, and I would think they're going to win a bunch of regular season games. But they're going to be judged on what they do in the postseason. Giannis has won a title. Lillard has not. Damian basically said it without saying it, that he wanted to be on a team that that had a shot to win it. And his choice was somewhere else, but he ends up in Milwaukee, and he's going to have an opportunity. And now you got to perform on, on that stage. He's been clutch and has handled the pressure throughout his career, but he's never had to do it in a championship. So that's that's a whole different level and you're judged differently when you're expected to win, no longer the underdog. Where do you start your NBA schedule? I start uh, opening night. I've got Phoenix at Golden State. Well, speaking of then, change right there, a little Phoenix Suns action. I know. I was working on their board yesterday and <laughs> man, they've got big stars, but then they got a bunch of guys in the backup roles that um, very well could be the right mix. And as we know, sometimes in the NBA, uh, that doesn't work. And you have to reshuffle the deck at the trade deadline if if indeed they, they don't find the chemistry. I think they will. They just have a ridiculous amount of talent. If KD is healthy and Booker and Beal, then uh, they're, they're going to be tough to stop in, in the Western Conference. But beyond that, 
it, it's not laden with, with big stars. It, it's a bunch of guys that are happy to be there and are trying to show the rest of the NBA that they still have something left so they can get one of those two or three or four year deals and not work on the minimum deals that a lot of those guys are working on. So it's that. And then I'm uh, heading back East that night to do nets and Cavaliers opening night on Wednesday. So it's going to be a fun, fun opening week for me. Cavaliers had a, very disappointing postseason after a very promising regular season. And what I'm thinking about is Sacramento, I guess, before I let you go here, is you know, whether or not they'll have a similar impact this year as they did as the surprise team out west of a year ago. Yeah, they're not going to sneak up on anybody, John. That's a different role often for these teams. And that's why sometimes you see a sophomore jinx, so to speak, in a team's development. But I think they found a little something that's real. I don't believe it was just one of those one-year wonders. They're really exciting. Their home court advantage is legit. And I think their talent is still developing. They're not a finished product by any stretch. So my sense would be they're going to be a factor again. I, I don't see a major dip for them. If anything, I think there's a little more confidence that they belong with with the other teams that are mentioned in that first sentence of Western Conference contenders. And, of course, that's Denver defending champions. That's Phoenix. That's Golden State. The Lakers, if they can get their act together, they've got a bunch of new faces that they believe will make them better. And Sacramento is that, that same group. They belong there. They deserve to be there. So Ira Eagle would have been doing your taxes uh, during tax yeah. season. Ian Eagle is calling basically every game known to man, from the NBA <laughs> to the NFL to the voice of the Final Four. I can't wait for that, too. So it's always a pleasure. And when you get the opportunity, if you ever get in town for something, we'll try to meet up something, hopefully on a remote, and uh, at least give you a little bit of a sample before you officially can get back into your Larceny Bourbon tasting mode coming up in June. Completely understand. Hey, Really, really appreciate it. Always great talking. Safe travels. Thank you, Ian. Okay, man. Be well. It's uh, Ian Eagle of CBS, one of the best dudes ever right there, in case you could not tell, and one of the better conversations we have on this show. Ian Eagle, CBS, TNT. As I mentioned, he does absolutely everything. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Hey, Kevin Bowen joins us from the morning wake-up call. Kev, seriously, man, it is not that difficult to play basketball and not hit somebody in the nuts, is it? <laughs> I hadn't heard that uh, that audio. So you're telling me that's like their Christianary Quinn Buckner? That is. I, I thought it was Craig Ackerman and Mario Ellie. And Ryan Hollins also has something to do with it. I don't know if his voice was in there or not. I, I, they were either three clowns or two clowns. But definitely clowns in the television booth in Houston. Definitely. God. Um, yeah. I, first off, I'd love to hear it if it was reversed the other way, and nothing like, "All right, let's defend Dylan Brooks to the death," because we know it's just a horrible pickup, and, and this is going to be the first of many of these nights. So let's defend him here in the preseason. Although I, I do three dudes, like Kev, this. three dudes defending one guy hitting another dude in the sack. That's what we got here. Yeah. I don't care about the money, and I don't care, but three dudes. 
three dudes defending another dude hitting another dude in the sack. I mean, that is just ridiculous to me. Yeah. Where do you do uh, it? I could not agree more <laughs> on that. And in a way, that we referenced that clip this morning, or at least I yeah. said the action of Brooks and Tice. And I honestly think that's how a lot of Colts fans felt when they heard the Anthony Richardson yeah. news. But, boy, I had not heard that audio. Yeah, those guys laughing about it. I <laughs> love it. I love when that guy gets hit in the sack. Woohoo! All right. <laughs> You know, I didn't see him wind up. I mean, these guys carry these things around, too. You don't need to wind up on anybody. <laughs> what are you talking about a wind up? <laughs> so true. Yeah. All you need to do I, is, I like, flick see, uh... it. Like, flick it. Like, the middle face. Like that. Just flick. That's all you need. I mean, you don't have yeah, to hit it with a sledgehammer. Much. Yeah, I think Max Bowen's toes one time hit me, and all of a sudden I've been down for the count for... About two hours. I, 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 the only thing missing is like a smothered chicken from Quinn Buckner on that. You know, I'll give you a great example of this because we each carry around our own headphones here. We have been advised to do that. And when I wind up my, my headphone cord every day, I try really hard not to hit myself in the satchel with the headphone. And, and believe me, the head phone cord jack hitting you there hurts just as bad as dylan brooks not winding up trying to get through a screen and hitting you there let me tell you just as bad doesn't matter i i i cannot agree more by the way how's the microphone holding up today i think i broke it again this morning oh i broke it yesterday too no it looks to be all new i think they got all new parts here kev i think we're good oh really yeah i was uh teasing the people inside the lounge the windshuler's cheese lounge and youtube live it would just kind of magically like move on its own. Like I would get it set up in front yeah, of my grill yeah. and then I'd be talking and then it would just kind of slide over like there was a ghost in the machine here or something. It was weird. Right. Yeah, that's how the Rockets announcers would describe it. Uh, but yeah, I felt like I was I felt like the same thing was happening to me. So great to hear that we've got new equipment in studio. I've broken yeah. it about five times. Yeah, did you see that guy get hit in the nuts? I mean, it, um, what is it, like funniest home videos or something? That's the only place where it was ever allowed for anybody to laugh. I guess if you go, what, what's, um, what is that network now that shows nothing but ball tapping shots to kind of like America's funniest home videos? It's not called Twitch. That's something else. What's it called? Like a network that's on in all these bars that shows nothing but but the, ball shots. I can't think of a network, but the show I can think of is Ridiculousness, maybe? I've never watched that, but no. You know what I'm talking about, Kev? Jackass. Well, I was going to go Jackass. I mean, that's more of a show and not, yeah. not a network. Oh, no, 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 I got it. Chive. Chive. If you go to a bar and there's something called Chive, and it's just like on an endless reel of guys getting hit in the sack. That's all it is. <laughs> well, sounds like Mario Ellie and Ryan Hollins have got a future here if they want to depart the Rockets broadcast at any point. All right, funny stuff is over. Kevin Bowen joins us. Let's get serious. Four weeks for Anthony Richardson at the bare minimum. Um, we were all kind of talking about this in the press box, and I, I gathered, man, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the year on Sunday. People talked me off of that ledge a little bit. But certainly it wouldn't surprise me if they waited all the way through the bye week for his potential return. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I think that, that to me it's almost more like a six-week you know timeline and not necessarily a four-week timeline. I mean, for Shane Sykin today to say, you know, four weeks at a minimum, um, you know, Shane doesn't reveal much. The fact that he's saying minimum, I mean, just the sight of seeing Anthony Richardson in a swing at practice, 
you know, and we all watched, you know, how he walked off the field. I mean, that, that just didn't look like a guy that, you know, was suffering a Derek Carr, AC joint sprain from a couple of weeks ago where he, you know, came back the very next week. And, you know, obviously they're still gathering information on whether surgery is necessary. And then you kind of run into a little bit of this, you know, if you get to early to mid-December, whether you're in a playoff race, I would say matters a little bit. And if you're out of a playoff race or it looks like a long shot, then, you know, the other side of it is where do you sit with Richardson? Is this just an automatic? If he's medically cleared, he goes back out there for three or four games? Or is there any concern in the back of your mind? Not maybe necessarily of a re-injury, but just of a, man, if he were to get hurt again, late in the season, you know, what does that do for his confidence heading into his first full NFL offseason? So, I mean, the word that I keep on coming back to, and, and honestly, again, I brought up the, the Daniel Tice situation earlier today because it does feel like a kick in the you-know-what. And it's an absolute bummer on every level, whether it's, you know, Richardson, his development, whether it's Colts fans wanting to watch their franchise quarterback, whether it's the Colts wanting to see him, you know, be put in these situations that are, are so key for his development. And obviously – when he was on the field, he was playing pretty good football. Um, and, and you face some pretty good defenses here coming up in the next month or so. Um, so all of it, it just sucks, frankly, to be honest with you. So Kevin Bowen, the morning show, the morning wake-up call with KB and Andy, 7 until 10 a.m. here on The Fan. Is it a, a worst-case scenario or is it, a, a I guess, a negative scenario, if you will? If Gardner Minshew leads this team and they win and they're playing well above what we thought, upon the return of Anthony Richardson, and then you have to make that change back. Is it all good because you're winning, or would that, again, spark a question that the Colts probably would not want to have asked? Yeah, I mean, it's probably not the most ideal, and I would say more just to do with, like, the mental state of Anthony Richardson more than anything. Um I don't think you want to have any, like, seed of doubt into, like, oh, a Wally Pipp situation. And I know it's not the exact same scenarios, but, you know, I think Trey Lance maybe felt a little bit of that in San Francisco as if he just never could stay on the field to prove himself. Therefore, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, and obviously Brock Purdy has become a quarterback that's pretty hard to take off the field. Um, You know, that sort of situation arising as well. And, you know, in a way, Richardson, I think, felt at times he should have played more at Florida. And so, again, just more like mentally for him, I, I, I'd be curious how he would feel about all of it. Obviously, you know, when you have lost as much as the Colts have lost in the last, you know, especially last year, um, and a lot of guys in that locker room and certainly the fan base, you know, walking out of Lucas Oil on Sunday and feel, you know, seeing the first win for that stadium and, and the home fans in there in a year, you want to feel good about that and you want to create a culture that's, is different than getting used to losing and especially losing the AFC South like they have in past years. So um, there are certainly positives to it, but at the end of the day, again, to me, the most important aspect of the season is Anthony Richardson and his development, his psyche, his growth, however you want to call it. And in a way, I, I just don't know how this season unfolds the rest of the way. And for that to be necessarily a major, major positive when we get to January and February. Uh, Kevin Bowens on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Have you recalibrated at all your expectations for this team given a three and two first five week start? Maybe a little. I mean, you know, I, I had seven wins for the team at the start of the year, so I, I didn't, you know, 
three and two, I, I feel like it's probably close to what I thought through five weeks. Maybe it's a game better than I thought. But I will say, if you look at just like the you know, 20 quarters of football that they've played so far, I would say the overall product is better than I thought. And, and again, there are a couple of reasons why I, I – I went with seven. I mean, one was to do is I, I, I did think there was a little bit more on this roster than than others thought. I also thought the schedule was a joke, and I, I continue to think that. Um, I mean, after – I mean, is Sunday the toughest game the rest of the year? You could quite possibly look at the schedule and say that. I, mean, uh, I, think, the, I, think, the, I think the Bengals will be good by the time that rolls around. But Don't they you? are like – Cincinnati's still on that fringe, John, of like – it could go the other way. Yeah, it could, but that's my sudden, expectation is sitting here that it's right. going to get better. And, and that would be the only other game I, I would even debate, you know, when you look sure. at the schedule the rest of the way. And, I mean, still, the Colts are a four-point underdog against Jacksonville. So, uh, given that, I, I feel like I look at seven and think, well, if you're going to make me change from seven, I would say eight before I'd say six in terms of, you know, where I go on the wins uh, on that. So, um I do think that is something that I've thought differently about here through the, again, win total, it's not that different, but I would say overall product, whether that's the O-line looking a little little bit better, while that's the emergence of a guy like Zach Moss. Um, defensively, I think at times you've seen a little bit more playmaking in critical moments. Um, those sorts of things I would point to as reasons that, again, I would probably, if you made me change, I'd probably go more towards eight than I would to six. I, I think that the dynamic at play here on Sunday is major with that thought in mind because if they were to go down there and enact some revenge against Jacksonville and, you know, four and two and Jacksonville three and three and, and you get a, a little room now within that division, I think that at least for this period of time changes a lot of thoughts, does it not? That's what hinges on this game on Sunday. Yeah, I mean – I don't need to tell you, you know, must wins, anything like that, but this is about as big of a week six, mid-October game as you're going to find. And, you know, obviously when you look at the team's records, they both at three and two. The Colts lost, obviously, the opener to Jacksonville. If you were to win on Sunday, you would split the head-to-head tiebreaker. You would have one loss in the division. Jacksonville would have two losses in the division. And that is the second tiebreaker. If you split head-to-head, then you go to divisional record next. And if you look at the Colts, they have two AFC South games left the rest of this season. That would be at Tennessee in December, and that would be home to Houston to close out the season. So you could literally be telling Colts fans, if you win on Sunday and if you beat Tennessee in Tennessee in you know, a couple of months, all that is – you control yourself in terms of having that head-to-head tiebreaker over a Jacksonville team that look at the schedules the rest of the way. I looked it up earlier in the week. I believe Jacksonville has the sixth toughest schedule in the NFL the rest of the way, and the Colts have the third easiest schedule the rest of the way. So, again, if you can put the Richardson Minshew stuff to, to the side, there is an opportunity on Sunday that is absolutely massive. Um, so, you know, obviously we'll see how it plays out. You know, is Minshew a, you know, flash in a pan or is the 9-16 and 16 overall record in his career, you know, going to show up here sure. as this team starts to play better, better defenses? Uh, you know, I think those are some of the questions that you have. Because uh, I still look at Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville and I still think they deserve to be viewed as the favorite. I think their collection of offense and skill 
is tremendous. Um, but uh, having said that, I do think the Colts have an advantage with their D line against the Jags O line, and that it, that can be a huge uh, a huge position battle. That if they win, like they did in Week One, they're going to have a chance on Sunday into the fourth quarter. Hey, Kev, this is not at all being critical of, of Anthony Richardson in any respect, but going into a game, and again, we, we could see. You know, teams better prepared, better defenses against Menchu, and that would be certainly more of a situation that would be a detriment to the Colts and their offense moving forward, but if you look at just by comparison of what we've seen with this group, is there any drop-off in winnability of any of these games moving forward with Menchu under center than there there might be to that of Anthony Richardson? And that's taken out of the the equation here. We want to see him. We need to see him. And that part sucks. But winning-wise, winning-wise, is there really, you know, anything taken away from exchanging one for the other here moving forward? I still think there is. I still think there's a drop in just how explosive, how high of a ceiling everyone described it you would be offensively. You know, when you think about rookie quarterbacks, what you think of is like, oh, they can be really turnover-prone. And so when you go from the, the rookie QB to more of the veteran, theoretically you'd be turning the ball over less. And to be fair, Minshew throughout his career really has done a nice job of protecting the football, which is probably one of his best attributes. But I don't feel like Richardson has been that turnover prone. I, I obviously had the fumble a few weeks ago, but you know it's not like he's throwing a bunch of interceptable balls throughout you know the time that he's been on the field. Um, and I still think at some point you're just going to need more juice from this offense, and that is what Richardson can offer and what Minshew can't offer, whether it's, um, you know, having Minshew out there, I think you put more pressure on your run game. I think you put more pressure on your defense. And, and you just need, like, other things to go extraordinary, extraordinarily. And look back at the Baltimore game, John. Your defense was outstanding against Lamar Jackson, and you had the best kicking day in NFL history. If Matt Gay misses one from north of 50, you lose that game. And we're probably talking about Minshew in a different light than we are now. I'm curious, like, I do think Baltimore, of the three games we've seen Minshew in extended action, I think Baltimore's been the toughest team that he that he has faced. So part of that plays into it. But, you know, when you look at Houston, Jacksonville, and Baltimore, the one game he started, he struggled in. I mean, it, it, if you look at it, you know, he definitely did not move the football very well at all, really, against Baltimore. Whereas Houston and Tennessee – the two games that he came into the game, you know, kind of in the middle of it, or I should say in the first half, he obviously was, you know, really caught great rhythm early on and, and moved it pretty consistently. How much of that was to do with, you know, A, the opponent might be not the Baltimore level, and then B, they've been preparing for Richardson all week long. Yeah. All of a sudden they get thrown a curveball, and maybe it's a little bit easier to prepare. I, I don't think it's a massive drop-off, but I do think – if you're looking at a 17-game schedule, if you're looking at ultimately what you need out of your offense to be a legit AFC South playoff contender, I do think Richardson, even in the short term, over Gardner. Kevin Bowens with us. So ramping up the play of Jonathan Taylor, I mean, once he gets back in and is going full bore here, what what type of balance are we going to see in that running game between both he and a guy that has been outstanding and third in the NFL in rushing right now in Zach Moss? Yeah, really curious to see that. Um, you know, if you look back on Sunday, John, 10 uh, snaps for Taylor, seven touches. You know, do you double that? Do you say, all right, let's try and get him, uh, you know, a dozen, 14 touches. Do you try and put a snap count up to 20? 
Uh, you know, I think that's something that you do. I, I, having said that, I still think Zach Moss needs to be the starter for now because um, I just I view running back as a position where you ride the hot hand. You know, I think there are even times in Taylor's career, you know, not often by any means, but there are even some moments where it's like, man, should they leave Naheem Hines in there for another series? Like, I, I just think it has that sort of position to it where – you know, Moss has never really been in this rhythm in his NFL career. And, he, you know, Moss was a third-round pick. Let's not act like he was, you know, some undrafted free agent. So, clearly, you know, NFL teams viewed him in a relatively high light. So, I think it's obviously a great problem to have, but I think Moss deserves to be that guy to start the Jacksonville game. And then, obviously, you kind of pick and choose, and Taylor certainly is a great change of pace guy. And eventually, you're going to get to a point where, you know, Taylor's going to be back in that bell cow role. I also think, too, John, it's crazy looking back on week one, how different like things are in this matchup. I mean, obviously it's not Richardson, it's Minshew. Um, if you look at the running backs, I mean, you've gone from Deion Jackson, Evan Hall, and Jake Funk to Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor. And then look at the cornerbacks. You know, it's Dallas Flowers and uh, Daryl Baker Jr. in week one, you know, flanking Kenny Moore to – Juju Brents and Jalen Jones. Um, so it's a very different Colt matchup. You know, Jacksonville's got a different left tackle, which is an upgrade for them. But even if you just go back a month, uh, specifically the Colts look a whole lot different than they did week one. So Kevin Bowen in the morning wake-up call. KB and Andy 7 until 10 a.m. here weekday mornings on the fan. And Kev's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Um, if you were a, a betting person, and I know you're you're not as much of a betting person as your sidekick might be, apparently weekday mornings here. I'm curious, <laughs> the I, I don't know which angle would you go here for the possibility that Anthony Richardson has to undergo surgery? Oh God! Or chooses to in this case. Like, yeah, predicting injuries is like. I had to predict what what what, what Jim Irsay is going to say next, and especially um, around here, and especially with what everybody has gone through. You got everybody just is is so incredibly sensitive, and rightly so, especially with quarterback injuries over the past because of what everybody went through with Andrew Luck. It's kind of walking on eggshells regarding Richardson right now for many. Yeah, and my answer is probably more Andrew Luck PTSD than anything, John. And, and I would probably lean towards surgery with not having an ounce of medical information in my life so you know when you think about what happened with luck and i know it's two different injuries it's a labrum for luck it was you know an ac joint sprain for richardson but i've always felt this way about luck and not to go down the path but i guess i will i felt like him not having surgery after the 2015 season was one of the big mistakes in his just continued path down pain and continually having to deal with that you know, for those that don't remember, he elected to play that 2016 season. After just rehab, he wouldn't practice every Thursday. That would be kind of how he would manage his shoulder and, and however many, you know, whatever, reps, bullets he had in that right arm, right shoulder of his. And he, and he played the whole year and played decent. Um, I think he just missed one game due to concussion. But then after 2016 is when he opted to have surgery. Then he misses all of 2017. And, and boom, you know, you know, how much did that just kind of impact things for him? So, again, I know it's different bodies, it's different injuries, it's different stages of their careers. But if it's one thing where, you know, we think rehab will correct it, we're really sure surgery will correct it. Rehab could get him to play the final three games of this rookie season. Surgery is going to take him out for the rest of this rookie season. I'd probably go down the surgery path. Again, it's not ideal, 
but I, I, I kind of view it in that light. I do too, and I don't think it has anything to do. You may differ in opinion here. Anything to do with, let's say, they go down and surprise and win on Sunday, and everybody's feeling good, come back up here and win again. Um, I, I don't know when that decision is going to come. I would, I would suggest fairly soon if it is at some point. I know they're giving themselves the option doing this with a little bit more time spent, kind of soaking up all all the the doctors' uh, conclusions and so on and so forth. But I would agree with you on that. I, I kind of wonder if you know you. You think about the past and, and luck didn't do it and you know there was suffering after that and you want to make sure you get this done 100% right right now without the end of this season playing a role in the decision being made yeah and I don't think this is too much of an issue but I am curious John like you know when you talk about Anthony Richardson's throwing motion that obviously was a big question and I shouldn't say made throwing motion just accuracy in general exiting Florida you know, would surgery, would rehab, would that impact, you know, any sort of alteration in, you know, how he throws it? I, I don't think so, but, you know, that would be a question that I would have as well. But, it, again, I, I just go back to how big of a bummer it, it, it is for every party involved. Obviously, Richardson, certainly the Colts, certainly the fan base, selfishly us. Um, you know, nobody <laughs> nobody went through 4-12-1 to watch Gardner Minshew play quarterback the next season. Like, you go through four twelve and one to watch Anthony Richardson play quarterback or CJ Stroud or Bryce Young or whoever would have been the selection. You you want to see the face of your franchise um, grow and develop and see the intrigue and and watch the development and all of that. And you know clearly right now it looks like he's going to miss you know more time than he you know more time than the, than he would be on the field based off even if it is the best case scenario you know, four to five weeks of an absence. All right, what are you dudes doing in the morning? What you got? Who do we got tomorrow? I'm trying to think. We had Josh Downs today. So hey, you got – what's, what's up with it? Is Dykton all sick and stuff? Dykton just polluting the room here? Is that what happened Boy, earlier? Dykton gave a hell of an effort. Yeah, you know, um, woke up today feeling absolutely awful. So we went into scramble mode this morning. Dykton toughed it out for the first two hours. Elijah got called out of the bullpen out of Franklin, so he jetted up here, and he did the final hour there. So I think we're good. James might want to, you know, wear a hazmat suit uh, behind James. the board, but um, yeah, Mark. You know, that's the only negative about the old morning action. There is if you uh, you do have an illness, you're kind of in scramble mode. You kind of have to tough it out. So yeah. great work from uh, from Mark uh, Mark Dykton here. All right, tomorrow morning, it's the wake-up call with KB and Andy beginning at 7 a.m. with who knows what on the show tomorrow. So we'll did I, just wait Did and I see. hear you're at the mousetrap? I'm at the mousetrap tomorrow. You going to come by? Get, Andy, get I, crap I, hammered I, with me tomorrow? My, uh, that is my neck of the woods. Yeah. And remind me, uh, Mr. Dinwiddie used to bartend there, correct? P. Did, was it mousetrap or was it? Was it Mousetrap for P. Dinwiddie? I thought it was The man with two brains? Maybe it was Keystone Sports Review. For some reason, I thought it was Connors. Yeah, I think it I thought it was, um, boy. I feel like he's got a lot on the resume. I I think it might have been Connors, and I think it might. Maybe it was Keystone Sports Review. I could have sworn. Maybe it was was all three. Maybe it was just all three. Yeah. The man with two brains right now. You gotta have two brains to be working with that that outfit in Philadelphia, let me tell you that. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot to have to go through and sift through uh with that group over there. Hey, come by tomorrow and have some drinks with us, why don't you? 
All right, we'll, we'll do, John. Tell Maddie to chill out for a minute, and you come over and have some drinks. <laughs> All right, see you, buddy. Yeah. Kevin Bowen, right there.